He described someone the size of a halfling, large bat-like ears. And he says, and I know it was you, Conroy. It wasn't me. (laughs) Deception check. Oh, Connie. (laughs) We're going to set it off. Time to step And hello, and welcome back to the show. Welcome to welcome to Down to the Dice, your favorite new D and D podcast where everything that happens is up to the players and down to the dice. Here we go. Before we get into things, I'm just going to go around the clock and introduce everybody. So I am your host Adam, and I'll be your DM for this evening. And Ooh. I'm going to try to go in a different order because I got some hate for it last episode. So first it. off. <laughs> we got <laughs> you, you first off we got Oleg Anderson hey that's me Avon Shadowborn right here Shadowborn Ooh. yes he has a last name now okay then we have Jake Joseph hey guys I play Shrondagoni your druid tiefling with a chthonic background nice perfect nice and uh we got Ryan Tunney Tunney on the money what is going on guys it is Gorin pleasant to What's be here good? okay and last but not least we got Dan Summer I play Conroy Kane, the Ardling Bat Rogue. Nice. And if uh, you happen to be watching any video that we are producing, Oleg has an adorable cat that is attacking something behind him uh, during the stream. And everyone listen to the podcast, <laughs> you're missing out. Uh, but maybe with these videos are not out yet. So <laughs> who knows? Um, everyone go buy a cat. If you have a cat, um, comment down below. And keep your eye uh, out for Ryan's cat. His eyes may pop up somewhere. Oh, Pete was a yes. lurk in there. I was about to roll up on him. Is that him? Uh, oh, yo, guys, I, I have to interrupt. Speaking of pets, uh, it was Father's Day lately. Guess what my son made me? What? A card. He made me Mozzie. Oh, yo, sick. Oh, oh, super super Mozzie. Dope, man. Yeah, I have a real life Mozzie now. If someone wants to fantastic. send me antlers, that'd be great. Jake and I work together, and he actually does bring that rock with him now to work, and he does talk to it. Okay, before we get started with the recap, we're going to get into the announcements. So, Olek, this is your first time doing announcements for us. How are you feeling? You ready? Uh, nervous, as, as most of the times <laughs> I am, but, you know. Uh, okay. Take it away, my friend. Game face. Okay. Embark upon a grand tale with our captivating prologues exclusively on our Patreon. Though not obligatory, these immersive narratives delve deeper into each character's origins, building anticipation for their fateful convergence in Episode 1. Seek the gateway up to our Patreon realm in the enchanting show notes below. Craving more of our spellbinding show? Follow the path of our remarkable cast beyond the podcast veil. Dive into our wondrous world through their captivating socials spanning TikTok, Twitch, Instagram, and beyond. The key to unlocking the vibrant presence awaits you in their magical show notes below. Join us on these virtual journeys and immerse yourself in the fantastical wonders we offer. Behold, dear adventurers, for our show embarks on the extraordinary odyssey through the playtest realm of D&D's newest edition, temporarily known as 1D&D. In this realm of ever-shifting enchantment, revisions abound and the rules themselves to the very essence of our characters and their abilities. 
With each episode, the winds of change may whimsically alter the fabric of our tale, but fear not, for we shall diligently communicate these ethereal transformations, guiding you in their ever-evolving adventure. Wow. And, uh, and let's go. For, <laughs> wow. Does anyone remember last week with my announcements? So <laughs> I just I vote ChatGPT does it all from now on. Man, awesome, so uh, if anyone's looking for someone to host their new uh, jazz FM radio station, Oleg is taking applications right now. Why? And hi everyone. Thank you for listening to Down to the Dice. That was good. I think every was time great. you anticipate that the DM is going to make you roll persuasion, you just talk like that and it will work is everyone ready to get into our show man yeah. i am so ready i've been waiting so I'm long i'm channeling my inner dm right now last week on down to the dice our four heroes managed to finally get a nice long rest on the night grounds manor estate except even and in fact all of you were actually pretty rowdy throughout the night even you went and you actually stayed up late with Futessen working on researching the Wentail Mines. Conroy, you did some researching into your maps. Gorin, you actually had a pretty uneventful sleep. And Tron, you discovered some of the dormant power inside the Fist of Wabanaki. You guys are now at breakfast, about to talk to Lord Futessen. Emery's there, Beethoven's there. Beethoven has a large black eye. He also is still recovering from an arrow through his chest the night before. Isabel, the daughter, the youngest member of the family, she is not present and Lord Futessen told you that she will not be joining you guys for breakfast today. Briefly before Futessen entered the grounds, you actually saw him talking with a very large Goliath outside of some kind of military background. He was handed some documents and then he came back inside while the Goliath rode away. Uh, you guys are now having breakfast, a very opulent meal of waffles and bacon and eggs and oatmeal and raisins and currants and sliced almonds and all the different things. It's a very opulent, think Downton Abbey. You guys are there, Emery's there, and Futessen says, where should we start? Conroy, Tron, Gorin, and Avon, what happens next is up to you and down to the dice. Down to the dice. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that cue. It just gets I me know. chills every time. So only Tron saw... When he looked outside, uh, oh, Emery the, and the him, Goliath right? outside. Yeah, yeah. Charles the only one that went to, went to the window to go see that happen. Emery saw it happening too, but then Emery was over there by the window. That's when you even went and talked to Beethoven. You kind of rubbed Beethoven the wrong way, saying, "Hey, take us to go see this red wall." Beethoven said he expressed that he's not entirely eager to do that and then Futessen walked in and kind of things kind of said okay let's wrap this up for now we're gonna we're gonna have this conversation Futessen is holding his fork and knife he's slicing up some bacon and unless anyone wants to start the conversation he's gonna start dm i just want to specify that after i saw that encounter with Futessen and that goliath personality i went and i calmly sat down next to conroy and then shran says well even it seems like you were uh instrumental in helping set this up so why don't you lead the charge Aaron kind of looks at him sitting where he is and just sits, sits down and uh and is like it's not really my place i only assisted it, it was all futescent who did the real hard work 
in the ensuing silence, Futescent uh, clears his throat uh, as he eats his first piece of bacon, takes a sip of orange juice, and then he says, well, if no one else is eager to kick things off, I'll deal with some smaller at-home issues first. And then he stops and he looks at Emery, and then he looks at Beethoven alike, and he says, it seems that when it rains around here, it pours. There was some kind of robbery at Istrabel's school the other night. Light strike, and he stops and he looks at you guys. It's a paladin of some renown around here. He just stopped by and told me this morning. And when he says that, Emery and Beethoven both look shocked and they uh, kind of freeze. And Beethoven coughs into his orange juice when this happens. And then he clears his throat too. The Elysium Preparatory Academy was robbed? Goodness gracious, that, that seems far-fetched, Father. It's a prestigious school. Was, was anyone hurt? Futescent kind of shrugs and he says, apparently some students were, but I don't have many details. Mm. Um, the robber apparently attacked a couple students and slice them right across the chest. They're hoping for full recovery, but again, they're not sure. What kind of thief would attack children? Emery says, holding a hand uh, to his chest like he's uh, mortally <laughs> wounded. And um, then he says, well, what was it they were after? And Futescent says, I don't know, Emery. They didn't give me any more information than that. Apparently, he stole some artifacts or documents in the basement and then set the school on fire to mask his getaway. That's just like a thief to do. And then um, Beethoven leans back in his chair and he says, oh, my word, you know, that's just awful. You know, they think that money would pay for the safety in those schools. You know, I keep writing into the board saying they need to increase the security of those places, but they never listen to me. <laughs> now, Riff Raff is just going to keep coming in, you know, and I'm just so glad I graduated when I did, Father. It's just crazy. But, you know, I'm just scared for Isabel, really. I mean, seeing me almost get assassinated here as we walk in the park, but what a blessing we brought her here for her inauguration so she wasn't there when all this happened. You know, did they happen to get a description of the perpetrator? If he doesn't size and takes another bite of bacon, he says, no, and apparently they don't have much to go on. So now the school's initiated a bunch of paladins to start canvassing the area, looking for any suspicious characters. And then almost as an afterthought, he says, and on top of that, the clown's been seen in these parts again, at least according to Lightstrike. And then after he says this, he looks back at the four of you guys and he says, in case you don't know, the clown's a very serious criminal that used to be around these parts and for a while he disappeared. A lot of people thought he died, but apparently he's resurfaced and he's been seen. Lightstrike says that he and the other paladins don't think that he's the one who did this robbery. So at least there's that. And the good news is that he has no reason to come here. So we don't have to exactly be worried, but something else to be aware of. I, uh, I ask how, uh, actually, no, I don't um, ask. I would know how far, how far is the school from the manor? Like, is it on the same Skyland? Is it like a very close Skyland? It is not attached to the same Skyland, but it probably within a, a full day of nonstop skyship to get from one place to the other. So does Istrabel like, is it a boarding school? Um, it's like, uh. Like, uh, yes, it's not a, not a boarding school, but she goes there kind of like a college. Like she goes there and then comes back on weekends. Oh, I see. OK, but it takes all day to get there. Uh, it's a on a direct trip via Skyship, a relatively decent one. It would probably take like three hours to get there. Okay. Um, OK, but Dan, you would know that you know, Conroy's floater. Um, it would probably take you. Yours is not a fast ship. Yours would probably take you like 10 hours. It did take me 10 hours. <laughs> Oh, and, um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, um, and then, and then Futessen wow. says, yeah, actually, um, Paladin Lightstrike, he just, uh, 
he swung by just warning us that, uh, you know, someone could be in our premises or to keep an eye out for anyone doing anything suspicious. The thief ran off with a lot of valuable articles, apparently. Hey, if you tested, I, uh, sorry, I hate to interrupt you. Did one of you say that Istra was almost, was attacked? Because I, I thought that the attack was on, uh, was on you, Beethoven, which means that, you know, hey, at least it's just probably not as in much danger as you think uh, for, for the for the consolation that is. Well, yes, that's true. But, you know, I I, I don't want to think about it. It's too much. It's, it's too stressful. All I'm saying is I'm glad that she wasn't there where she could have got burned down. Poor thing. Right. Anyway, if you test it, it sounds like you have a plan. I do. We have a couple of different options about how we can proceed if the four of you are interested in partnering together some more. Now, I understand you have... The four of you have been paid, services rendered, and if you're not interested, I understand. Take your money and take this breakfast as a thank you, again, as a tip, and the four of you can be on your way, and maybe I'll send you a message via sending, a sending spell down the line if I'm ever in need of your services again, and I can I can hire another security detail to beef up the security around here. But if you are interested in more work, I have a couple different leads that I'd like chase down about who did this to us. And you can see he he tightens his grip on his fork and knife. And he says, we're a noble family. We're not eager to get our hands dirty, but we have to protect the Nightground's name. DM, I glance over at Goran and I'm just trying to get a beat on how he's feeling about all this as as maybe the uh, the obvious tank of a group. Do I notice? Because <laughs> he's just enjoying his milk and breakfast. Yeah. So I just look over at Goran DM. Uh, because in Sharon's mind, a dangerous assignment with a crew is necessarily risky, of course. Uh, and you got to know the strength of the strongest member of your team. And from appearances, that se- seems to be Goran. So I'm looking at him to try to get a beat on if this sounds like something he wants to do, something he doesn't want to do. And, and of course, I- I'm trying to look at, at the whole crew. I mean, again, like I was in line, like I think Goran is just eating his breakfast and listening to this, but... I don't know, like the night before previously, he seems interested. And I mean, if as long as right, there's gold right. involved right now, he definitely wants to do that. DM? Yep. A- Avon wants to lean forward and speak for the group because obviously he's the leader. <laughs> <laughs> okay, clearly, clearly, yeah. And, 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 he, and he says, uh, we, we, we want to help. The Nighthaven name, uh, and obviously we want to protect. Nightgrounds, you mean? And then, and then, <laughs> and then he looks at Beethoven. And he goes and protect Beethoven. What happened to your eye last night? Uh, I fell down the stairs. And, uh, no, you no, know, he didn't. Quiet, Goran. I uh, yes. Uh, well, it, it turned out I was falling. I was walking down the stairs, and I placed my hand on the railing, and I slipped, and I smacked my head on my hand on the railing. So both are true. I I hit a fist on the railing, <laughs> and that's how I got to Shiner. And I'm gonna get it healed soon. So I could have talked to Lightstrike while he was here. He's a paladin. He could have healed me. Can we insight check him? Uh, yeah, sure. Light Shrake is here as the first role for this. And uh, he says, yeah, he was just uh, talking to, to daddy. And Futescent says, <laughs> yeah, he, he was just here. He's the one that told me about this. Uh, actually, you know, things are going crazy. He was talking about how there was like a robbery happening at the Elysium Academy. And also there was like a, believe it or not, there was a bombing at the cradle. The museum at the cradle just got blown up. What? Uh, <laughs> is he still here? That's crazy. Oh, he he just rode off. 
He's a, he's <sighs> doing his rounds, telling all the manners now. Mm. We're not sure if uh, the the terrorist attack and the thieving at the academy are connected. Probably not. Very different crimes. Oleg, what'd you roll? Uh, yeah. So Avon buys it hooks hook line and sinker because uh, he. I just rolled a critical fail. Avon. <laughs> 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 hey, that means there's a nat twenty coming up soon. Uh, yeah, hopefully, that's next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hugh Tessin clears his throat. <clears throat> Conroy, I actually was thinking last night about what you said about how, yeah, we have one lead with the Wentail mines, but the ship itself, we actually tried to reassemble it and try to find out where it was made. And mm. we we found some iconic parts of it that I, I have to stay here, but we're wondering if you could take some of those things, take it to an old retired carpenter and see if he recognizes the make because we can track down who makes those ships. That might be another angle instead of going to the Wintail mines. Now, if that doesn't suit your fancy and you want to go, there's two other options. One, and he looks to you, Avon. He says, the person who stabbed you up until yesterday was a very good friend of mine. His mm. name's Stella. And I would eagerly send you to his house oh. to track down some information. His family, I haven't heard from them. They may not even know that Stella's dead. But you can investigate whoa, that or whoa, if wow. you're really feeling like a long trip and a dangerous trip close to the core, we could send you guys down to the Windtail Mines. But just be warned, there's a lot of people who have a little bit of a stake on that land and it's close to the core. I can't guarantee how long you can go down there before your floatium gets exhausted and can't come back up. Should be Wait fine. A Wait a minute. I hate to be the guy to say this, but you're the floatium expert, mate. And you know the quality of the floatium in your own ships? Well, if I do. you can't guarantee that it's got what it takes to go the distance. It's a suicide then, mission. He he chuckles and he says, the night grounds pr provide some of the best floatium in the scatter. But even if the material is good, if the pilots don't know how long it can resist the pull of the core, it's not going to do you much. If you guys dally down there, you take too long, you exhaust your floatium, doing loop-de-loops and searching for things... I mean, mm. it's only a matter of time. You take us for a bunch of misfits, so we're just going to waste time? I'm not saying that. You've already proven that you're capable, but I don't know how much you guys know about Floatium. And he looks to you, Tron, and he says, obviously, you're good with a Skyjet. Can you read Floatium? Can you tell when it gets exhausted, when you need to come back up? Yeah. All right. Well, I can provide you a ship, I believe. And he looks to Emery, and he says, I believe my brother had the one in mind. Emery kind of chokes. <clears throat> <laughs> um, I... I lean forward as if to speak discreetly, but I speak to everybody, and I say, Ivan, Connie, seems like the Lord has got ideal missions for you, and he knows you better than me, perhaps, but could it be that all roads are going to lead to this place anyway? Like you chase down this guy who tried to kill you, all you're going to find is another lead going down to this to this mine, and Connie, same with you. Ivan kind of grins, and he's like, yes, but hunting down a traitor's family could be very... Productive. Yeah, but what's that to you, mate? As he's rubbing the spot where he got stabbed right through oh, the chest. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot. I was in this. I was in the air when that happened. All right. I, I forgot. You got. Hey, who stabbed? Me? Did someone kill the guy who cut me? Because someone threw an egg in my leg. It still hurts, you know. Yeah. Even killed right. that guy too. Uh, all right. True. And I fist bump him. <laughs> I fist bump him, but I stick out two fingers to represent antlers. And uh, Avon, you feel a hand gently touch your shoulder. And you look over to Emery, who's sitting beside you, and he says, Listen, Avon, vengeance is never the way to live. <laughs> and then he looks over to you, Gordon, and he says, Isn't that right, Gordon? Let bygones be bygones? 
I look over at his brother. Does this actually is this actually a conversation? Yep. I look at his brother and I say, and we'll both be seeing something's done with your brother when I get back. Following that trial, he escaped. Emery says, oh, and if Futessen says all in due time, all in due time. I, I really wish that Avon knew he, that he was a necromancer because he would have had a perfect comeback. <laughs> so Futessen says, now, either one, those are three options. Go talk to the carpenter. Go to the Wentail mines, which are abandoned, or go find or go to Stella's Manor, which is probably one full day's travel. He was a dear friend, great business partner. I didn't see this coming. Whichever one you don't, whichever two you don't pick, I'm going to try to find someone else to do. So it's up to you guys, whichever one you pick. But either way, you're going to need supplies and I can give you guys a small subsidiary fund to get some items. Um, but I'm, but I, my hope is that you guys are leaving by noon. Maybe nice. how much we know we're going to make, if anything, would help us make a decision sooner. And like if the there's think, more man. money involved with certain jobs than others. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, and he grates his teeth. I have a vested interest in finding out why Stella did what he did. And it's the shortest trip. I think that's probably our most promising lead. And if you bring back something promising, a minimum of 15 gold pieces each. <laughs> what? Lord, if you test it, uh, we, we want to find out who did this. I think we're all going to do it. Right, guys? I, I lean in only if we have the talented wizard like Emery come with us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Emery says... Whoa. Hmm. Well, I'm I am not really a wizard, Avon. I uh, I dabble in some light magics, um, but I honestly think I'm safer here. I I, I mean, I what agree. I meant to say was I think I think that uh, you'd be safer without me there. You know, I'd probably get you guys in danger. Uh, I I barely can light a candle. Emery, I think Ivan's got a point. Just for the fact that you know these people. Man, these are Futessen's connections. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm not a warrior. I'm not an adventurer. I'm a businessman. That's Futessen. What about him? Pointing at Beethoven. What about him? What, do you, do I, you know I, him? I, 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 I try to wave him off of taking Beethoven. I go. You said you're a what? businessman. Well, perhaps you would like to try to find out what fouled up this relationship so that you could avoid this kind of problem in the future. And mm. uh, Emery looks like he's about to talk, and then Beethoven, Beethoven leans forward and he says, "Hey, yeah, I, I love to come. I'm still a great shot." And then Futessen says, that's not happening. No, Dad, seriously, that's not happening. I need you here. And you know, Beethoven kind of sits I down. interject, these kind of missions help with life progression, you know? Build build some mm. character on the kid. And Emery pipes up and he says, Futessen, Beethoven might be the better choice here. It's a great shot. Might keep them safe. Gotta let them grow up. And, Fu and Beethoven is just looking down at his plate. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, are we, are we idiots? Someone tried to kill that kid yesterday. <laughs> we can't take him with us, what am I thinking? And Gordon speaks up and just to reassure, he says, you have my word and my shield that your son will return home safe. What, Gorin? Gorin, This Hello. is a better idea than Emery. This just gives Emery another chance to escape. He stays here with his brother and I know he's gonna promise me nothing will happen to Emery. I choose Beethoven. Hold it. Hold wow. it. A wow. Hold it. Even wants to no, 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 no. I wave my hands. No, no, no. Listen, S people came over here and they tried to kill Beethoven and they tried to kill you for protecting him. And Aven. what happened? We're sitting here eating breakfast. I think it worked out in our favor. Hello? <laughs> you look stunned. <laughs> Goran, 
going, I want to make money as much as you made. It's, it's not about we money. We want to protect. That's too bad. There's, yeah, it is. Well, there's potential in this boy. I've seen it over the past couple of days we've been here, and I I truly think bringing him on this mission will really build some character. Hey, I tried to save this kid's life, and so did you, right? And you and did. And so did you. And I put Aiden? my hand on your but shoulder. That's you the guy who did it. But you did great. A and you're going to do great again. I, my teeth start to freaking expand, and I, I, I clench my fist. I, I do. I are you like, th like threatening? No, 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 no. It's an involuntary. Ugh. Yeah. So, Avon asks, "Are there any handrails on the boat that he has to be worried about?" There are. Uh, well, you haven't seen this. Okay, and, and he says, "I'm asking Futessen." Yeah, because, yeah he, he says because hook, line, and sinker. He 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 believes that. Beethoven went and got the shiner from falling on a handrail. <laughs> and he says, he says, all the ships come with standard safety protocol, all 92 points of inspection, obviously. And, uh, and then he looks over at Beethoven and he gives him a hard stare. And he says, if I let you go on this trip, will you promise to pay more attention to the work that I have for you here when you get back? Oh. And Beethoven stops and he says, I can't promise anything, but... All I know is that if I stay here, when someone tried to kill me on this very estate, I'm not going to be good to anybody. And then he says, he, he looks over, uh, Futessen looks over at you, Goran, and he says, you're a paladin. What's your oath? Who's your god? No concern really right now. It's a concern to me. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to trust you with my son's life again, you're not like a god of like deception or god of like death. My god is for justice and not vengeance. Solaris is the one I pray to. And then Emery yeah. says, Solariously. Wow. Emery holds his hand out to you for a high five, Goran. Confused, he does it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> high five. And Emery goes, wow, strong hands. Ow, ow. Oh, you said ever? I did. Oh. <laughs> did you I did the same. Oh, my God. My testing. Like, dude, I got the dad's That's permission. So Boys trip. No, bring Emery. Emery goes to give you a high five. It, it doesn't happen. And he puts his hand up over his head. It brings his other hand over to meet his hand. And he sits back down and slightly dejected. He starts eating some of his scrambled eggs. And Futessin sighs. Like, what the heck is wrong with my family? And he says, all right, you can go. And then he points two fingers at Beethoven and he says, well, you're gonna take them to the market. You're gonna help them resupply and then you're gonna get going. Now where, and he looks at all of you, what's your mission? We're going after that family. We're gonna do some research. We're gonna find out why that guy turned code on you. And we're gonna make his family talk. We're gonna break the news to them. And we're gonna research what's going on with your rivals here who turned out to be your friends. And we're going to find out why these people reanimated. There's probably a necromancer at work. And we're Emery going to says, see I resent that. On. Why? Nothing. All right. So, are we ready? Like, we've eaten. We're eating, right? We ready to go? I say, is the body of Stella still around? Mmm. Mm. Uh, and he says, yeah, it's it's being processed. Did, did you manage to get any of his possessions off of him or anything like that so we can kind of prove that he's dead essentially i i got light strike to actually take a look at him and uh and he, he made sure that he he's not coming back he bears no, I, like I mean like to prove to his family even kind of not doesn't smirk or anything straight face he's like we could take back the body as a pretense the family to Ugh, that's ghastly even i mean as long as somebody else carries it 
Gory, that, that's on you, buddy. You're, you're huge. Wait a minute. Did, the guy must have had some kind of identifying documents. He'll, he'll, he'll have the Artois ring. Still Artois. Awesome. All okay, right. then that should be fine. But just so the family doesn't potentially think we're pulling the wool over their eyes. Right. Hey, you know what would help is a, is a letter from you, Futessen. He says, I'll pen it up. You know what? He snaps his fingers and the servant's standing at the end of the room. He says, load the body onto the cloud sailor after all. I don't want that body anywhere near me. Mm. And he says, you're all dismissed. Beethoven, get ready to take him to the market. You'll each have 50 gold pieces to spend. Beethoven will manage it. Be on your way. Connor, I'd like to speak with you alone. You Tessin says that? <laughs> and Reed gets up and he leaves. Beethoven's like, all right, guys, we're leaving in 20. And he leaves with a nice little skip to his step. Haven follows. Ron goes and gets ready. Yeah, like I'm just ready to go. Conroy, what do you do? I'm waiting for Tessin. If he wants to take me to another room or just wait till everyone leaves or whatever. He waits for everyone else to leave. The servants, two of them go to uh, presumably load up Stella's body. And one servant collects all the plates and Futessen just stays there. He finishes his plate. It's good like 10 minutes of him just like, and he waits for the last servant to take up all the dishes on a little mobile tray. He leaves and he closes the double doors behind him as he backs out. And you are now suddenly in an empty room, a large room with Futessen. And he looks diagonally across the table from you. He's at the head and you're kind of like in the middle of the long side. And he says, should I move closer? He ignores your question. And he says, I stand up and move a bit closer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I sit down. Like if the head's here and there's a table, I'll sit like a few chairs down. Yeah. Anyway. So like how many feet do you think are in between you two? Uh, 10 feet. Okay. He says, Light Strike did have a description of the Ardling who broke in to the Elysium Preparatory Academy. He described someone the size of a halfling, large bat-like ears, and he says, and I know it was you, Conroy. You, why do you think it's me? You're safe. I told him, I hadn't seen anyone like that. My family's alive because of you. The Night Grounds Estate <laughs> will be a safe haven for you. For now. Did you find what you were looking for while you were in there? It wasn't me. Deception check. Oh, Connie. Come on, man. Let's confident, are you? Yeah, you got this. Uh, uh, 11. Okay. And he... Size. You know, Conroy, the Floatian business is complex. It's always moving and changing. The demands for it rise and fall, and what people want it to do for them, and that changes too. They want it faster, but then they want its resting height changed or its durability decreased. And of course, there are those who think Floatium's evil, and then there are those on the other side who think mining it's evil, and you have to navigate that too. And just when you think you've hit a good stride, someone or something comes in with a new innovation and tries to shake things up. And he sighs again. Are you familiar with the Chatterman's family? Uh, no. 
Small family company, small business, rising up. They do good work. They're a couple skylands away. But their business is growing surprisingly fast, and they're actually expanding this way. I've heard more than a few whispers that they have this new elixir that they're getting to release to the public, and they say it can drastically improve the potency of your floatium, even low-grade materials. And I'm, I'm happy for them. The Chattermans have always been honorable, but as a businessman, I find myself curious, maybe even concerned, about what the ramifications might be should people ever have less need for our services. Apparently they're having some kind of demonstration in town today where I can only imagine some of this elixir will be on display. And I can't help but wonder what's in it. But you know, Conroy, more than that, I fear what would happen to all the people who live here, who depend on the Nightground's name for privacy, safety. But do you know what? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. Just the spillings over of a businessman too deep in his own thoughts. Listen, mm. thank you for what you've done to keep my family safe. That's the most important thing to me. And I'd, I want you to feel safe here as long as you help keep the night ground safe. You can be partners, and I, I honestly believe we can be friends. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed your breakfast. Beethoven's going to be leading you guys soon. Have a fun trip. And please, when you get to Stella's place, be careful. He stands up, takes his napkin, folds it, puts it down where his plate was. And he says, it's proper etiquette to let me leave first. And he leaves. What a douchebag. <laughs> So glad none of us are there to have heard this. Yeah, stop <laughs> this guy, Master Master Justice over here with the thief. Anyone want to do anything? Actually, DM, I want to check on Istrabel. Ah, mm. okay. Uh, you make your way up to the fourth uh, bedroom, or sorry, the the fourth floor, and you know where Istrabel's bedroom is. And uh, do you walk in? Do you knock? What? Uh, knock first, obviously. Okay. Avon. <laughs> what? <clears throat> what? We're going to the market, and we wanted to know if you wanted to come with us. Oh man, risk taker. The pause, and she says, "I have responsibilities here. We're leaving in five minutes. If you want to join us, just be quick." Mm. And the door opens, and you see Istrabel in much more casual attire. Uh, very, very much like traveler's clothes. Still very high-end, not very broken in. She says, Beethoven tells me that you're not going to the Wentail Mines. Why? Not yet. We may yet end up there, though. Man, that's the strongest lead. Avon leans in. He's like, the one who stabbed me was one of your family's longest friends and business partners. The Wentail Mines will still be there when we're after. And she, and she says, she shakes her head. And she says, if you guys think you're going to find anything there, then maybe I maybe I misappraised you after all. And come prove the rest of us wrong. Mm, go Avon. Come on, man. Give me a persuasion check. This will be a very difficult DC. Well, well then I'm probably not going to get it. Not with that attitude. <laughs> come on, man. Let's go. Said persuasion? Yeah. Come on, Avon. I got a 10. Avon. A 10? Okay. Ah. And she says, Avon, I would go. But ever since yesterday, I felt off. I don't think I should do anything around floating for a while. Avon wants to double down again. Uh, like, what does that mean? Uh, he, he, he looks at her and he goes, well, how are you going to prove yourself if you keep playing it so safe? Hmm. 
She says, <laughs> he's playing with fire right now. You're not going to get to roll yet. You're not going to get to roll yet. You got to back this up. You got to back this up. You can't roll yet. And she says, do you know what I did up in the sky yesterday? I caught Floatium. And then we fell from the sky. I can't explain it. But if I do that, when we're in between Skylands, I can't go. Every time you step off the island on a skyship, you run that risk regardless. And you would, would you really want to leave that research half finished? She says, you don't know what it means to be in night grounds. Roll a persuasion check for me. Oh, I try. Can I try one more thing just to get advantage? I can't promise advantage, but what do you want to do? Uh, your brother's coming with us. You could at least keep an eye on him. Okay. Yeah. Roll of persuasion. Yeah. It's a four. <laughs> okay. <It flopped. laughs> and, and she says, she says, look, I wish you luck, but I did promise you a magic item for saving my brother. Oh, and I have that. If you still want it, Aven looks at her. He's like, I would never refuse a useful tool. Yeah, sure. And she turns around and she kneels down beside her bed and she pulls out a little chest. Yeah, yeah. She, she pulls out a little chest from underneath it. She opens it and she says, I got this from our, our store wares. And she brings it over to you and and holds it up to you for you to open. I pop it open just to take a look. Inside, you see a yellow aged brick. Hmm. Uh, I pick it up. I handle it. And I, I probably don't know what it is, but I thank her for it. Okay. She says, now it's magical. And once you attune to it, uh, upon your will, as long as it's within 60 feet of you, um, it can weigh. Right now, it weighs just probably like five pounds, but it's called the brick of sinking, and it can weigh as much as the last person to hold it. Okay. So useful, but also very dangerous on a on skyships. And you're nervous about coming with us when you're getting us this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why. I think that's, yeah, I think that's why I'm staying behind. <laughs> okay. And she, uh, she puts um, she puts her hand on your hand as you go to close the box. And she says, Avon, you're the only other elf I know besides my uncle. He's a half elf. Thank you for saving my brother twice now. And we'll do it again if need be. OK. And uh, she she leans in and she leans up and she gives you a, a, a light kiss on your cheek. And she says, thank you. Uh, oh, big daddy as Avon's walking out of the room, he stops at the door frame and he says, we won't be checking the cargo hold and proceeds oh, to leave. man. Hey, this is Adam, and I'm just popping in to say thanks for listening to Down to the Dice. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review in your podcast app because it helps other people to find the show. Also, it would mean a lot to me and the guys if you would tell a friend about the podcast face to face. We're going to get back to the show in a second. But first, this week's episode of Down to the Dice is brought to you by Hello Kelly and their new single, Teacher's Pet. And if that title sounds familiar to you, it's because Teacher's Pet is the song at the end of the movie School of Rock. You know, when Jack Black and the kids finally compete in their battle of the bands. Hello Kelly is a band that does this kind of nostalgia in a way that's fun, but really, really thoughtful too. I've heard the song and guys, it's truly a chef's kiss. Jack Black would be proud. Teacher's Pet by Hello Kelly dropped on October 3rd of this year, which is actually the 20th year anniversary of School of Rock's theatrical release. Find it in the streaming platform of your choice and stick it to the man all over again. And if you want to be the teacher's pet, Hey 
Hey guys, Adam here. Uh, so we're not sure what happened, but we ran into some technical issues towards the ending of this episode, mostly pertaining to some of the preliminary shopping stuff that happens. Um, the audio files kind of got corrupted. It's a, been a bit of a thing, but we salvaged as much of the episode as we could. And I think we stitched it together well enough so that it'll be hard to tell where we had to cut some stuff out. Massive thank you to Francie for that. Um, as such, this episode is a touch shorter than what we're used to releasing, which we didn't feel right about, so we decided to add a small piece of bonus content onto the end to kind of sweeten up a bitter deal. It's an interview with me, hosted by our very own Alexander Anderson, who plays Avon Shadowborn. We kept it short because we're just trying this out, but we dive into one D&D, or sorry, D&D um, sixth edition mechanics, how we're feeling about the characters, the show, what it's like to have a podcast, um, some behind the scenes stuff. Uh, it turned out really fun. Uh, at least we like it. And if you guys like it, we're thinking about releasing some more of these. So you'll have to let us know um, actually in the comments down below. Um, so anyways, just a heads up that that's coming down the line. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. Tron, on your way down to the carriage to go uh, to the market, which is like an hour drive on carriage, you are walking down like the main hallway when you do hear a... Yo, let's go. And uh, Rocky, the stone crab, kind of comes up to you. Yes. And comes his, up to me? Yeah. And he his claws are kind of moving back and forth as if he's trying to like... Like duel with you, sick. Okay, I I right away I get down on my knees and I uh, like one foot one knee and I uh I've been studying these creatures DM and I lean down low to I seem small to him and I kind of simulate that with my hands and I lean forward so my antlers are kind of just within reach of his claws and I kind of just kind of. And I'm trying to communicate like a playfulness with this guy. Okay. Roll an animal handling check. Oh, come on, man. You would think a druid would have the skills to pay the bills. Come on. Animal handling. Oh, dice. To hey, I take a second and I, and I just pet him a little bit and I will cast guidance on myself. <laughs> okay. So I get to add a D4. Okay. I think. So, can I just go ahead and use that now? Yep. Good thing, too. Okay. 11. Okay. You lean forward in your antlers, and then you hear a... And you feel a very strange sensation as your head feels lighter instantly. And hey, look up, and one of your antlers has been <laughs> severed. And Rocky is holding it, and he goes... <laughs> he turns and he just starts booking it down the hallway. Hey, you little... <laughs> he and, I, and I chase after it. Running away with and your I, And I pick it up. I pick it up. You, say, hey. you, you run after it, but it's very fast. It starts up the stairs. And you can see with its free hand, it's starting to put the antler towards its mouth. It's eating. So first, did it hurt my, did it hurt when they uh, cut off my antler? No, no, no. It, like your antlers are not like, they don't have feeling. Um, so like, so as a druid, a tiefling, Catonic background, we've, we've talked about this before. I don't know if listeners officially know this, but your horns are kind of like budding antlers as well. Um, and they, yes. and they, they do produce flowers every once in a while. Um, so there's like a wood characteristic to them and he, and he started to eat as he runs up the stairs. Um, 
and uh, he he's dodging you very excitedly. And I I uh, okay, hold, he's uh, extremely heavy. I'm, he's a he's a stone crab. Okay, I reach into my pack, and I must have some food for this creature because of my plans for it. And I reach out and I say, Rocky, ro- Rocky, come here, mate. Rocky, uh, animal handling Rocky. with disadvantage. Uh, DM. Don't do this to me, DM. <laughs> Don't lose the other uh, one. Uh, 12. Yeah, no, he he books up the stairs. He's actually very fast. <laughs> and um, and Beethoven, you hear Beethoven down the stairs. Sean, we gotta go. It's shopping time. I absentmindedly and mournfully touch my antler that has been severed. You feel a little bit of like that tree sap. And I sulk down the stairs. Takes me about 10 steps before I get my debonair smile back and I keep going. Okay. Um, everyone else, you guys instantly recognize Thrawn looks different. One of his antlers is gone. Um, he's got that asymmetry going on. You guys all load inside this carriage. And the plan is that you guys are going to go to the market, load up for supplies, come back, hop in a ship that you haven't yet seen, and that you guys are going to get going. You guys all hop in this carriage. And Shran, this feels so mundane to you and it feels so slow because you're used to your sky jet, but you are reminded again, the vast majority of people never go on sky ships, don't even dream about having a sky jet. If you hadn't inherited the sky jet, you would never be able to afford one. Um, they're, they're just so expensive and Flodium is outside of the worlds of most people um, besides knowing it's what keeps their islands afloat. Um, this is outside of Flodium, it's still very much like horse and buggy carriage kind of technology here. Um, you load in this carriage, it's still very nice, and Beethoven, huh, and he, the, the reins snap, the horse pulls you guys, and unless you guys want to have any conversations, I'm just going to teleport you guys to the market. You guys are at the market. Yeah, you guys are... In the city of New Keflin, this is a bit of like a strip mall kind of area. There's lots of vendors, lots of stores. And Beethoven says, all right, guys. So uh, I highly recommend for narrative purposes, we don't split up too much, but let's try to keep shopping to a minimum. We're going to be going to uh, an unknown situation. So maybe brush up on like your gear, 50 gold pieces each. Um, We're going to find out mechanically how far that gets you. But uh, all right, I'm going to transition to the DM now. And he's going to ask you guys what you're looking for. Hi, it's me. Thanks, Beethoven. Okay, the four of you get off the carriage, and as you do so, you again are taken in by just the wide array of smells, of sights. After being away at the Futescent or the Nightgrounds Estate for so long, it's, it's easy to think that not a lot of people live around here, but here you're reminded... All those people at Futescent's estate, they came from somewhere. And here there are hundreds of people in this place of New Keflin. They're shopping, they're buying. You smell citrusy fruits. You hear vendors calling out their wares for sale. As you get off the cart and Beethoven leaves you behind to go get all the mundane things that the D&D listeners probably don't really want to listen to us getting. <laughs> you guys are are just faced with all the options and things that you could see. Um, what do you guys want to do? Uh... I'll probably visit a couple stores, walk around, see some stalls. Great. Actually, Goran, you don't even get a chance to do that because Uh-oh. as soon as you, <laughs> sorry, um, as soon as you start looking around, say, oh, maybe I'll, I'll start browsing. You suddenly hear a shriek, um, but it doesn't sound like an endangered shriek. It sounds like a fangirl, like, is that Goran still pending? Uh, yeah. 
Hi, yes, you are. You see this young redheaded girl running up to you. She looks like maybe oldest, 24 years old. She has like fire red hair pulled back in a voluminous French braid that casts down um, her back. And she has uh, pale skin with freckles on her face. And her eyes are just beaming as if she's absolutely in awe. She is like way smaller than you. She's only like maybe like <laughs> five, eight, five, nine, maybe five, nine and a half with her boots. Her boots are, are plate mail and she has a breastplate that goes from shoulder to shoulder and then it goes all the way down her left arm where it comes to a gauntlet. But her right hand oh, is nice. sick. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and her right hand <laughs> is totally free, uh, except you can see that there's like a leather tunic underneath it. But the next thing you recognize almost immediately after the red hair is there's this large chipped and semi-worn battle axe uh, sheathed behind her shoulder. And it's jostling as she runs up to you and her eyes are, are wide and she comes up to you and she says, I, I cannot believe my luck. You have got to be, you match the description perfectly, seven and a half foot tall or rippling muscle uh, a strong jaw you you gotta now, be now 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 <laughs> you have to be Goran still pending and he kind of looks around like motioning with his hand to like keep his voice down now yes that that is eyes nice to meet you your name well as he reaches his hand out she takes it with both hands and she just starts trying to shake it as much as possible with like your muscle like your arm doesn't move very much but her elbows are just like <laughs> jerking up and down and she goes well my, wow i just i'm i'm so honored uh, so, i'm so sorry my name's guinness my name's my name's guinness and she stands to attention in that instant you see what you have in her behavior what you did many times before when you were addressing someone of a higher station than you this is protocol you would have learned in your paladin schooling and you recognize instantly even before she tells you that she has had some kind of paladin training and in, oh that's sweet and, in, and she says i i'm a paladin oh well i i just graduated from the academy i'm still like the the super lowest lowest rank like i haven't done anything nearly as cool as like what you have done but i am such a major fan and she uh begins to unclasp the breastplate uh that is covering her body and she lowers down the breastplate over her shoulder and she reveals her other sleeve she pulls it back and she re reveals a lower rank version of your paladin tattoo like what we talked about before how all paladin tattoos there's three different components to it one is the validation the higher paladin wrote uh, inscribed that tattoo and then there's one that kind of um designates what oath you have and then the third part of the tattoo is what rank of the several ranks of paladin status um and she has like nothing she's so she has like the fact that she's recognized it's as a like paladin. the base tattoo eh? yeah, yeah sorry that's what i'm trying to say yeah okay and, yeah and, and she reveals and she says i i just became a paladin i'm like this is like my first time out in like civilian territory and she looks around all these people need protecting <laughs> i just man i i i can't believe is it true that you've done all the things that you've done i know it's got to be true but is it oh i don't know what you've heard but you know why why sales can take a far a far turn so trust me i'm, 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 I'm not too sure trust me i'm no one's wife um i uh <laughs> and, and, and she says I, I, I'm a free spirit and I, I just want to go help fight evil. And, and I knew that, of, of course, as soon as I found out that you saved those 30 people from that burning barn back on Keldeer, and then you stopped that pi sky pirate mutiny back on Winsdale. And as soon as I found out that you served the God of justice, Solaris, I, I just knew that you were you're going to be my greatest hero because that's who I serve. And again, she pulls back her sleeve and she reveals that she has that Solaris uh, tattoo.
Okay. But again, there's like, so mine would just have like more sigils or symbols sort of say because of my rank above her. Yeah. So, um, you both have like very similar top parts of the tattoo, which designate paladins way higher rank than you have given you the blessing from the, like the paladin council, so to speak saying, Hey, you graduated from the school. And then right beneath that is like what devotion you've chosen. And then beneath that you have one line designating, Hey, you've accomplished X amount of feats as a paladin she has like nothing oh, nice she has like absolutely nothing besides some freckles mm. and so <laughs> so I, I looking at it again she kind of sees you seeing that and she says again i just started but i'm i'm eager to, to show my work and, and and you should be honored i think it's great and i'm honored to be in the presence of you it's, you, you should be proud of yourself truly <laughs> you know i i gotta say gorn uh, sorry um paladin still pending um I just don't. Gorin, Gorin is fine. At ease. Uh, of, of course. Um, Gorin. <laughs> wow. Um, like <laughs> I, I've noticed that there are not a lot of paladins serving uh, the God of Solaris these days. You know, we got a lot like Lightstrike. He has a huge following. He serves like, you know, the God of life and, and all those different kind of things. And I just know w- with you at the helm, leading all of us with the oath of justice or oath of devotion, you are going to make Solaris great again. You, you are just going to absolutely. And, and I want to help if, if there's anything that that you need are, are you taking on apprentices right now uh i kind of look back to see where the other guys are and everything and mm, i'm not so much taking anything on right now i'm just trying to uh something came about and and i need to see to the end of it so right as of right now i'm not taking on any any apprentices um she looks immediately like all her beaming smile and eagerness just like crashes down into a puddle on the floor just like my grandpa used to say you know you never say never so not saying no just saying not right now you're offering me a job i didn't say that i just said we can keep in touch um and we can go from there does that sound good i'm sure i'll see you at the paladin um paladin fest and and paladin con and all those different kind of things right Mm. Gorn like checks his brain in his calendar <laughs> like where, where what time are these again roll a schedule check I, I, sh- yeah. <laughs> I should make an appearance there yes she adopts a bit more of like a demure um uh um what's the word I'm looking for countenance and she leans in and she says well what's the mission that you're on now is there anything I can help you with Wh- whatever will serve Solaris the god of justice I want to see done Goran stays quiet because as much as he, A, again, wants to see Emery face trial and justice, he doesn't want to let this paladin know that. I mean, I don't know if she fully knows the mission or anything, but he doesn't want to let off that he has a mission still pending. But (laughs) yeah, so he, no. Okay, so what do you say? Mm, uh, I just have to see that things... um, Safety. I, I don't know how else to put it. Not much detail I can give. I'm pretty classified, but just seeing to people's safety right now. Wow. That's exactly what the God of Justice would want. Solaris must think exactly. you're his, his best paladin. You know, I'm actually doing a, a bit of a safety job right now. I, I just got enlisted, so I already have my first job. That's pretty impressive, I think. That is awesome. You you should feel very proud of, of that. And if there's any advice I can give you, it's just make sure you strike true and stay safe. It's uh, it can be a dangerous world out there. She gestures um, down the street, kind of like overhead to 
to imply that it's pretty far away. And she says, yeah, there's some kind of like uh, protest, a silent protest happening over there. And uh, the building uh, that they're protesting, they saw me and they asked that I could help keep them safe. Um, even though like New Keflin, no one ever, these uh, protests never actually get any action, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my part. We'll never let your guard down. That's another advice I could give you. You're right. You're right. Wow. I, I don't suppose you would you would sign my my breastplate or my my shoulder pad, would you? Uh, it's never really been my style. Please, but I know that I've never really had a fan before. So. Oh, I, I'm sure you're gonna have absolutely. A th- I'm sure you already have a thousand. I've been telling everybody about you. Well, where'd you hear of me? Well, now Gordon's curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you put me on this on the spot now. And, <laughs> and, and, um, uh, she says. Well, definitely when you save the 30 people from the burning barn, from that place that I mentioned earlier that the DM can't remember, like that was absolutely, (laughs) that was absolutely amazing. In fact, I know someone who knows someone who knows someone that used to work there once upon a time. Your sister's brother's uncle's cousin, right? How'd you know? (laughs) It's usually how it just happens. Mm. And he puts his hand on, I feel like Gordon, that's just his move. Like he just puts his hand on people's shoulders and he says, they're going to triumph your name when it's all said and done in your paladin career. I can see great things coming from you, Guinness. Wow. Well, great enough that you would sign my breastplate or my shoulder pad. And he lets out a chuckle and you know what? Sure. Oh, you have a quill. I, I just, what a coincidence. I just happen to have one in my hand right here. Amazing. Yeah. Still pending. So underneath the steel plate, there's uh, leather padding inside where you can actually, the pen will write. So you dip it in some ink and you, you sign Goran still pending. It looks great. And while you're writing that, she actually goes silent for a moment. And as soon as you are finished the signature and you pull away, she says, hold on. You do serve Solaris, right? The god of justice? Yes. Why do you ask? Well, I I do too, and I know that they're not many of us, but I have seen a few, and all of our tattoos, you know, honoring Solaris look uh, identical as the law stipulates, but yours looks a little different. Is that just because you're a higher rank than us? Mm. Ooh. Um, in the moment, Gorin, like pauses for his answer but he quickly like glances at hers and glances at his what does he see that's different um but i have to roll for that yeah roll either arcana religion or investigation Ooh, are they gonna give me different things they will okay our sorry that was arcana uh religion or investigation arcana no religion or investing oh they're all just Bad. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna go religion. I think this fall under a religion. Oh, an 18. Oh, sick. Oh, okay. Man. Yeah, you you kind of glance down at first, not really concerned, but as you look at yours, and then you look back at hers, and you kind of think, oh, hers must have an error. But then as you you look back at yours again, you realize, wait a minute, your tattoo looks slightly different than you remember. The 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 sigils that combine to represent Solaris, the god of justice. We were kind of joking about it before, where it's a man standing on a teeter totter. Um, so uh, it, we're kind of making a joke about you know like the the <laughs> lady of justice and her scales. There is an image of this triangle with this level line across representing that all things should be equal and that justice will communicate that. And then there's a bunch of other sigils which communicate finer nuances of what it means to serve uh, Solaris. But 
you notice there is another line on top of that horizontal line. So there's another line on top of that teeter-totter, but this one is not a straight line. It is ever so slightly peaked, like an extremely, extremely shallow roof on top of a house. So you have a triangle at the base, this level line, and then on top, it looks like almost a parallel line, but it's slightly peaked. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, now that you're looking at it, it, it is notably different, but the lines are so close together, it could be chalked up as like a style difference. Yeah, I think Goran would try and like half witty, like, oh, I guess. Um, yeah, like different artists that day, I guess. <laughs> Something along like those lines. <laughs> wow. I mean, obviously, uh, lower rank paladins would never be allowed to get away with that. And some some people would even see it as like slander towards Solaris. But I'm sure you you have such a tight relationship with Solaris and your your, your relationship is so synergistic that I'm sure you guys have all worked it all out. Right. Mm. And he shakes his head and just says he's he's done me well. Wow. And, and I trust that you do me. I mean, that uh, Solaris does, <laughs> hey, does yeah. all of us well. That, that is so great. Listen, I, I really have to. Uh, do you know what? I could probably hang out with you for a couple hours. And then you do hear a voice that says, Paladin. Oh, shoot. I, I really do have to get going. I um listen. I would absolutely love to help serve Solaris uh, under your wing anytime. But I really she starts backing up. I really do have to go. She reaches forward and grabs her hand and she shakes it again. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. And she turns in and darts away. So the rest of you guys kind of let this conversation take place, choosing not to intervene too much. Goran, you catch up with Shran, Conroy, and Avon, and the four of you begin shopping or browsing around for a while. Beethoven did mention one store in particular that you may want to investigate called the Void Chest. It sells like uh, magical items and adventuring gear, but he didn't tell you much more than that. Um, so we'll say maybe 10, 15 minutes go by, and the four of you just kind of find yourselves walking up the market street streets, browsing, kind of window shopping, looking and hoping to see the void chest shop. Um, and soon you begin to hear some chanting off in the distance at first, but as you move, you get closer to it. It's really rhythmic. Um, Sharon, you actually instantly pick up before anyone even sees what's going on, that you're approaching some kind of rally that just has that feel of like a public cry. Um, except as you get closer, um, you see that there's a group of maybe 50 to 75 people in the streets, some dwarves, mm. some elves, mostly humans, some halflings, and even some tieflings and dragonborns in there. And uh, all of you realize at the same time that this is not a rally, but more of a protest. And uh, I'm just even going to say that, Avon, this is the first time you've seen something quite like this. People are holding signs, use, using thaumaturgy, um, those of them that can cast cantrips anyways. And they've been getting slowly uh, more aggressive while you've been approaching. And you see that they're protesting outside of one of the bigger buildings on the street. Um, it has double doors and above it is this ornate sign that's now dripping with some rotten tomato juice, uh, rotten tomato juice uh, leaking on it. Uh, and the sign says Island Chain Coalition Corp. Um, 
Yeah, Island Chain Coalition Corp. Sean and Gorn, the two of you recognize the name instantly. This is uh, one of the many businesses out there that builds island chains, uh, basically massive, super thick chains that connect floating land masses that would otherwise orbit in different directions. So if there's like a floating island and someone wants to increase their real estate, they could hire someone like the Island Chain Coalition Corp to, I didn't really pick a good name for that, uh, to like build a massive chain that would connect it, basically fishing for sky islands and then connecting it to larger ones um anyway so um, they're chanting let the islands live in peace someone shouts and then someone else shouts free the skies and then another person says break the chains the will of gaia is to be free and uh the group of you begin to see that this um large group a large portion of it are religious figures they come from some sect that believes that like the stars any celestial being can be interpreted for reading fortunes and that includes sky islands now and interfering with them is unnatural maybe even sinful and uh some of them think that some of them even think that gaia the goddess of the earth if you believe in her um actually lives within the earth and chaining these islands is like locking up gaia herself um so yeah, so anyways, the doors of the building finally open, and Gorin, you're surprised to see Guinness walk out. Um, her red hair is still tied up in that braid, but now it is like going straight down her back, nice and neat. The pep in her step is gone, and she's sobered up a lot. Um, the way she holds herself, I, I mean, you can still tell that she's new, but she looks way more experienced than she did 20 minutes ago. And you get flashbacks of when you had to kind of put on that brave face for people even when uh, in emergencies you weren't sure what to do um you know that you have to exude that confidence um, all right folks she calls out she doesn't have thaumaturgy so she's like belting it the chain corp big shots sent me out here to tell you that they hear you now there's nothing wrong with you gathering out here but throwing tomatoes and such is a little much wouldn't you say we want to see those big wigs come out here and talk to us Someone shouts up from the crowd. Yeah, and Gorin, you're tall enough to see that it's actually another paladin a little further down, kind of towards the center of the crowd, judging from the armor, but it's a paladin you don't recognize. You can't even see um, what oath they have. You can't really see that side of them. People cheer a bit when this paladin talks, and it's clear he's kind of like the pack leader or the ringleader of this group, and Guinness takes a small step forward from her raised step on this step of this building. She says, that's not happening. Um, tensions are a bit too high right now. Why don't we just all go home? And then someone actually interrupts her and says, Gaia must be set free. And the crowd clears a little bit as a frail man steps out. He's wearing a large cloak over his commoner's clothing and he reaches inside that robe and he pulls out something in his hand and it is this glass sphere and there's some kind of movement inside and Avon and Conroy, the two of you instantly recognize and Shran too. I'll say all of you recognize that there's something magical about this orb and Guinness goes to as if she's going to interrupt this man but he suddenly this man seems to get a, a bit more nerve maybe the adrenaline from around him and he says guy must be set free and if you won't listen maybe you will now and he throws this orb on the ground and it shatters and just like a tungsten light bulb there's a, a, a very loud pop pop as as the sound of breaking glass and there is a, a small explosion of smoke 
that shoots up. And as just as it clears, you see standing in that space, eight feet tall, a large black furred covered in claws and drool coming from its sharp fanged maw. You see something similar to what a bugbear would look like, except this thing, even as it stands there, the smoke that's coalescing doesn't seem to dissipate fully, but seems to be made up. It seems to be made up of the smoke and everybody uh, gasps in horror. Obviously they weren't expecting this and they all back up. So now there's suddenly like a 10 foot clearing around this man and this beast that he has summoned. And he says, don't worry, it's not gonna hurt anybody. It's just to get some attention. And as he's speaking, this monster pivots and with its long five inch long claws that burst out of its fingertips, it slashes its hand down this humanoid's front. And that's where we're gonna end tonight's episode. Nice. Oh, nice, man. <laughs> hey, this is Adam, and I wanna say thank you for listening to Down to the Dice. If you like what you hear, please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review in your podcast app, and tell a friend about the show too. If you really wanna support us, there's a link to our Patreon in the show notes where you can hear bonus episodes, including the prologue for all of our characters. Down to the Dice is brought to you by our editor, Francie, at Hello Francie Sound and Story. You can find him on Instagram for all your sound design and podcast editing needs. And fun fact, Francie is also the singer in our theme song, and if you like it, you should check out his band, Hello Kelly. Speaking of music, our show's tunes are composed by our very own Jake Joseph, with some exceptions whose credit can be found in the show notes too. That's all from me. Thanks again for listening to Down to the Dice. Roll that outro music. We're gonna set it off, time to step inside Where everything comes down to the dice A table of friends in a DM In a radical, magical fantasy land We're gonna set it off, till it all comes true We're ready to see what you can do A table of friends in a DM In a radical, magical fantasy land In a Hello and welcome everyone to our first new segment that we like to call D6 Interviews. Tonight with us, we'll start with the deity of our world, the Dice Master, lore and legend keeper himself, our lovable DM, Adam Goudreau. Welcome, Adam. <laughs> wow, that's, I'm flattered. I'm honored. Uh, well, well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to do this. I'm, I'm kind of nervous, but let's dig into it. Okay, well, with that in mind, let's go and just get right into this segment then. Usually, I would be doing it with the other guys, and, and they would be able to fill in a little bit more, but tell us your name, character name, or character names in your case, and what you do to our campaign. Okay, so, yeah, my name is Adam. I'm the DM of the podcast, and I would say the vast majority of the characters that I play, there's a couple that have been, like, repeat characters that, quite honestly, I didn't expect to last so long, some of them. But basically the whole Nightgrounds family, um, which is like Beethoven, Istrabel, Emery, and Futescent, 
Um, oh, yeah. And then there's a couple other characters yeah. like not saying their names in in, in actual like character. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hi, I'm Beethoven <laughs> and uh, Estrabel. Hi, <laughs> and then every few tests are actually like voice the exact same. Um, but then uh, a couple other characters that I would say that I've made. Um, are all in the prologues. So ex- except for yours, of course, your prologue, Oleg, uh, was basically Istrabel and Beethoven. Um, but besides that, you know, there's a couple other people like uh, I can't remember the guy that gave uh, Sharon a hard time in his prologue. But there's definitely um, repeat characters that will I think we'll definitely see again if we're not careful. So, well, that's definitely, you know, you've definitely got the biggest variety and assortment of voices and characters out of all of us. So you've got the toughest job. And with oh, that, yeah. <laughs> let's lead into the second question, which is, what is the most interesting or surprising thing that you've seen happen so far in the campaign? Oh, uh, man, great question. So many things. Um, one, I am really glad we did the prologues because it gave all the characters a chance to like really find themselves. I think that's important. But I think that I'm most surprised by how much the characters have brought up more from each other um, in terms of like their leadership. Like, I didn't think that Avon would be such a natural leader or like such an outspoken opinionist. Um, <laughs> but then besides that, I, sh- I thought for sure that Beethoven was going to die in like episode one or two. Um, actually, so I don't know if people know this, but there are actually like three or four attempts on Beethoven's life that day. So <laughs> um, like you may not know this when you, when Avon gave Beethoven that good berry on stage, he saved his life. Um, because he started getting really thirsty. It's because his tunic was poisoned. Um, oh, wow. So <laughs> if, if you go back and listen to episode one, Beethoven's like, this shirt doesn't fit me properly. It's because someone switched it out on him. Um, and we didn't so, even notice that. I just, I, the only thing I caught on was that he's sweating. So I'm like, okay, maybe here you should have something like this. So yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Sa- saved his life. So that fact that Beethoven survived has already radically changed the the direction yeah we'll go with that the direction of the show um because now he's still alive and uh that will that will cause a lot of changes so so you're saying that by us keeping these npcs alive uh instead of being murder hobos and trying to get rid of them all is really screwing up your plans then wow um well it's it's a different campaign now we'll put it that (laughs) way (laughs) all right let's move on to a different uh completely different direction here what are your thoughts so far on the playtest material that we're running because Everything that we're doing in this campaign is all the new playtest material, right? Yes. Um, honestly, I love it. I love it. And I don't think it's that different at all from the like fifth edition. I think that the biggest thing is how your character is shaped in your backstory. Like your backstory affects more of the character development, but the mechanics of the game are almost the exact same except for things that the players need to know so it doesn't really affect me too much mm. besides the fact and we've seen this at later episodes fighting styles get like way more complex because of weapon proficiencies and things oh, yeah. but it actually makes it way more fun for players i think and it prevents weapons from getting stale it does make it harder for me as a dm to get the upper hand but i'm a dm i could always just conjure more bad guys if i need to oh, yeah. so um but besides that um I don't think it's a steep learning curve. I think there's a lot of convenience things. I honestly, do you know what I would liken it to? By the way, am I taking too long to answer these questions? No, no, by all means. Like okay, we well, want, you we want your off. opinion on this. We're, so, 
So there's this game that I played once and I loved it. It was called the Kingdom of Reckoning uh, or, or the Reckoning Kingdom of Amalur. And it was, it was actually designed and funded by like an NFL player. But anyways, it was like an amazing RPG game. And when I first got it on the Xbox 360, I loved it. And then I moved on to like Nintendo for like a long time. And then it finally came available on the Switch and I got it and I hated it. Oh. And it was like, why, why do I hate this game that I loved? It's because I didn't realize how much smoother the mechanics got in games since then. I remembered it really fondly, but there were just so many like convenient things like all my items automatically sorted. I could like throw out all of my junk at once. I could sell everything at once. That game didn't have those things. So, you, so think, you've, been, you've been spoiled now with all these new mechanics that make it easier and more convenient. And Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think I could. I could definitely go back to 5e, but I would miss 6e. It'd be like. Why am I playing this when the new one's so much better? Is yeah. my honest opinion. Well, with that, maybe we can lead into this next question then. Is there anything that you wish you could go back and change in the stories that we've done so far? Wow. Uh, besides mm. trying to kill some of the characters here that you've already mentioned. Don't worry, I'm sure the players will not be offended if, if it's something critical to some of their backstories or something. Um. Yeah, there is one thing, and... It has to do with early seeds that I'm planting okay. uh, in the campaign for um, not just like big reveals, which are always fun for a DM to have, but also plot seeds, which kind of need to be there for things to like make sense later so that players don't feel or listeners don't feel like blindsided in a bad way. It's like, mm. well, why would this happen that there's no reason for that to happen? And it's like, well, actually, there is precedent for that because of this and this that happened. And there's a couple of times where I don't think I emphasized it enough or and, and we missed it as players. You're saying? Yeah. Oh, where no. it's like <laughs> where it's it's things where it's like when you go back and listen to the show again, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, like that was the thing they um, mentioned. Yeah, this this happened. And, and how did they not catch it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I I I don't regret, really. But if I could do it again, would I do it differently is. I would I think I was role playing a little too well and I I am nervous that I brought I had Beethoven bring up the red wall in episode one so soon. I don't think that well, I gotta be careful how I answer that because I think Beethoven, it's honest that he would have let that slip. Mm-hmm. But you know, that that's a big deal, that red wall is all I'll say. And I think so, I think Avon knows it's a big deal, but I, I feel like I haven't emphasized it to the rest of the group. And I know that Jacob caught on and he's like, what is that red wall? What are you talking about? And I played it down and we'll, and we'll, uh, we will probably end up coming back to that. At least I know Avon wants to. So, and that's what I mean. It's like, okay, that could change (laughs) things too, but we'll see how it goes. But I would say that those things alone are all I would change so far. I I've loved the collaboration with everything. Well, well, we want to try and, you know, do your content justice. Right. So, Golly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number six. Or, oh, sorry. no. It's no, already almost over. No, no. Sorry. Number five. Let's not mm. skip ahead here. But I said number six because I want to know, is there anything you would want to see different in five and a half D&D six? Yes. Instantly. I think that attacks of opportunity don't really make sense. Um, I think if I'm running away, then that I... I run away. It's hard to hit someone that's running away. Mm-hmm. I think anyone who's running away should get essentially nimble escape, um, which I know makes it hard for the rogue mechanically. And I think they were already doing so many things to change the finer points of the mechanics 
why give us attack of opportunity? And, and the bigger reason is because it discourages creative movement on the battlefield, yeah. especially for us when it's a podcast and the movement is helps to create like a vivid image in listeners' minds. When it's just like, well, I don't want to move because this really strong guy could destroy me. So I might as well just stay just, here yeah. and keep attacking him. I think maybe if like you attack and you miss, then they should get an attack of opportunity if you leave because you kind of extended yourself and you know, but if it's like, Hey, I just move away. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that I've, I have the alt, the superior alternative figured out, but I'm thinking, I think attacks of opportunity are a little over glossed. Well, I um, th- well yeah. in regards to that, I think it's one thing that a lot of players don't realize is that they have the option of disengage. That's true. And a lot but, of players, uh, but that, but that uses your action for the turn. Right. So, and also it's like how just, just like in theme, when I pictured in my head, how do I disengage when I'm surrounded by three people? Yeah. What move do I know if I'm like a wizard and I try to disengage from like three fighters? If you're a fighter with superiority die, sure, I I do a disengage move, but anybody it's, can it's, disengage it's, no matter how many times it's they're surrounded. It's funny you do the Mike Santa thing there as you say disengage. Sorry, I realized that we're not broadcasting the video, but he did the Mike Senna invisibility, invisible sort of thing there as he said disengage. Once we get to 100 patrons, we'll do video. There you go. <laughs> Once in a while. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. But number six, and this is going to be the easiest question for you. Shout out to your fans on something that you're looking forward to that's coming up. Okay. So easy, right? It's such an easy question for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought you were giving me a soft lob there. Um, okay. Well, one, this is a bit of a shameless plug, but I cannot wait for listeners on discord to listen to our, um, like our, pre-shatter episodes that we're going to start releasing there oh we're, we're um, talking about that the pre-shatter episodes okay oh shoot right. I, well you know what we're this is coming out the same episode that we're announcing the discord so okay yeah then, yeah, yeah so if works, you're listening yeah. to this <clears throat> if you're listening to this um on our discord there's a free episode for you so um uh, it has to do with the pre-scatter and it's essentially like a, a one shot but also it's going to serve as a lore dump and if people like it hopefully they do it'll become more than a one shot um we've already recorded it and it turned out great. Um, don't want to give any spoilers, but when it comes to the actual present day campaign, um, we'll see. Well, we'll, we never know. We could pick it up and keep going and end up having more lore come from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I think a couple of things I'm looking forward to is when ironically, I know I just said like, this wasn't a good thing, but when the red wall gets rediscovered, um, <laughs> when Goran learns the truth, Period. Okay. Um, and when you know what? Another really good one is when um, Shron. Hold on. Um, <laughs> you got to be careful. I, I, right? I, I got to be careful. I just, sorry. <laughs> I just hit my mic too. I don't want to give any spoilers, but okay. Well, it'll, when Conroy is past, catches up with him. Okay. And when Shron's um, hallucinations begin to make sense. Okay. I'll say that if I can give one per character, I know that's kind of a little glammy, but that's there you go. Well, no, and I know that now that when the guys re-listen to this episode, when it comes out, I know we're all going to be excited to hear these little, oh, what's this? I have to be careful You're so about encouraging, this. Oleg. Yeah. You're awesome, man. <laughs> and since we were doing some shameless plugs before, you know, let's do some other ones. We've got the Patreon. We've got the yes, Discord coming out. We've got, what else do we have? Um, well, we all have social medias that we can go follow us, like on TikTok and Twitch. I know Ryan has a Twitch. 
So but I, um, I know, I know you are doing the f- most fantastic videos on our, on our TikToks. I love those. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and you know what? I look forward to seeing more from us on there and uh, definitely looking forward to more episodes as we uh, put them out. Right. Yes, very much. Thank you for the kind words. But honestly, the only thing that I think is um, falling short with our TikTok is that there's not there's not enough representation of all of us. Oh, Sometimes our, our schedules are just so busy that I, I make them when I get home from work, like very long days. But I would love to do more collaboration in the future. So hopefully we can make that a priority. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I would love to see some TikToks from you from you and your twin, because I mean, who wouldn't think that you're two different people? Oh, like right? we got to get you on there. <laughs> Come on, let's get you up there. Oh, TikTok so famous. Talk to us, please. All right. Well, with that, we're going to close up tonight. Get the get it, get the show on the road. And you know what? Let's uh, let's wind it down right there. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening. And everybody, have yourself a great time. <laughs>